Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. Man, we're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I wish you could have been in the house right now because, I mean, we were worshiping and we were singing so loud the lights went off. I don't know if you even saw that or not. It was unreal. Such an awesome time to be worshiping the Lord and so thankful for what he's doing in your life and in our in our, our life and in our church in this region. We really believe that God is up to something and, and stirring people's hearts and affections for the mission to really reach people with the gospel of Jesus. And we can't wait to see what God's gonna do in the days to come. Now, we're in this series called Kill Joy, and we're talking about things that actually kill your joy. In fact, John 10.10 is our verse here that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me tell you something that Satan wants to do. He wants to destroy you. I mean, he utterly wants to destroy you, your family, your testimony, everything you have, he wants to destroy you. And he wants to steal from you your joy. He wants to kill your joy. But we're not gonna let that happen. And we're learning some things that will kill our joy, but we're also learning some practical ways for that not to happen. The first week we talked about pride. Pride is like the root of all sin. The devil became the devil because of pride. All sin will lead you away from God, but pride tries to elevate yourself above God. And then we talked about envy. If you're a jealous person or you're an envious person, we talked about how do we work and fix that in our life? Because envy basically says, God, you owe me. I'm jealous of them or they have something I don't have and you owe me. And today we're going to jump right into another big one. And man, this is one that I've dealt with people over and over and over with. And it is anger. Come on. We're going to talk about some anger management today. Now look at the person sit beside you who needs a little bit of anger management. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you already looked, right? You've already elbowed sitting on the sofa. I know you have. We're going to deal with this topic of anger and so many people deal with anger. In fact, we look at our country and our world and our world is full of rage and anger and hostility. And, and where does this anger come from? And how do we, how do we walk out some practical steps in our life? to keep us from being angry, especially if you're angry all the time. Now, if you're sitting here and you have an anger issue, and you probably know if you have an anger issue because someone told you, you, you would even admit that you're a hothead, right? Come on, you would say, Pastor, I'm a hothead, right? I've got, I got issues. But there's a couple ways. Some people are spewers. Like when they get angry, they just spew it, man. I mean, they're just like, like, you know, like a fire-breathing dragon. They just like let it rip, right? And some of you know what I'm talking about. It don't take much to tick them off. It don't take much for them to say something. It don't take much for one thing to go sideways, and they will spew it all over you. I mean, they will just say it and verbally, and they'll just go, 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 go. And I won't get you to raise your hand, you know, because people sit around, and probably your kids already know this. But how many of you, how many of you would say, man, I'm a spewer? You know, I just, I just, ah, really quickly, I just fire off and I go. Some of you, you're stewers and you let it crock pot and it stews and it just builds up and builds up and builds up and, and you, you suppress it as long as you can suppress it. But eventually, you know what's going to happen, don't you? Eventually, it's going to come out and it's going to hit the head and it's going to come out and, and both of them, right, comes out. One comes out quickly, but one comes out you know, over time, over and over and over, I'm reminded the husband and wife, you know, and, and they, they get in these fights and they're fighting and, and the husband looked at his wife and said, how, how, how can you just stay so calm when we argue? Like when I get mad and I say something, I spew, right? I say stuff. How, how, how do you just stay so calm all the time? How do you deal with this? How, how do you cope with it? And she says, I just go and clean the toilet. 
And he's like, he's a dude. So it's like, how, how in the world is cleaning the toilet help you when you get mad at me and when you just say so calm and I'm just so irate and I'm so aggravated? She said, because I use your toothbrush, all right? So, so maybe, guys, you better watch out. She may be using your toothbrush to clean the toilet to get back at you because she may not be saying what you're saying. But the reality is anger is a very serious thing. In fact, it's, it's one thing that can lead over when Jesus says that if you have anger in your heart, that leads to hatred in your heart, it's it's just equivalent as murder in someone's life. Like, I mean, Jesus sees this as a really, 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 really big deal. And so I'm gonna walk you through a couple passages. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter four. But before we jump in there, I want you to take a look here at uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 29, 22 says this. An angry person stirs up conflict, stirs it up, and a hot-tempered person commits Many sins, which means anger will lead to multitude and multitude of many sins. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, like a city that has broken down, that's been broken, and they have no walls. The walls have been destroyed, and back then the walls were built to protect the city, so people can't come in. The enemy can't come in, and when you have anger, the walls are down. Watch this. So is a person who cannot control his or her temper. When you can't control your temper, it's like a city with broken walls. The enemy can come in at any moment, at any place, at any time, and destroy and kill the joy that God has in your life. Now, I know a lot of times people say, I just need somebody to vent to, right? Like, I need somebody to vent to. Maybe you go to a counselor, and you go to a counselor because you need to vent. Maybe you got that bestie, right, that friend that you can just pick up, and you go, just, just don't counsel me. I just got to vent. I got to get this off. And, and when you vent about something, maybe it's about your marital situation, maybe it's about your, you know, a situation at work, maybe it's just like, I just, I'm just tired of something, you gotta vent about it. And when you vent, what it does, it makes you feel good about you. Like, it makes you feel good about yourself. In fact, the people that you're venting to, you, you strategically pick them because you know they're going to be on your side. You know, they're gonna encourage you or say something like, you're right, you have the right to be mad at him or you have the right to be mad at your boss or you have the right, whatever it may be, to be angry and you vent that and you feel better for a moment, right? Because you get it off your chest and you vent. And I wanna encourage you, if you're someone who vents all the time or you've got those people you vent to, I want you to change your perspective. I don't want you to start venting to the person because that just makes you feel better about you and you're looking for confirmation that you are in the right and they are in the wrong, I want you to stop venting. I want you to start confessing. See, confessing, when you begin to confess your anger, when you be confess things or your sins, what you're doing is like, I'm confessing to leave it, not take it with me. When you vent, you still take it with you. When you vent, you still make you feel better about you because you got it off your chest for a day or two, but then you gotta pick the phone back up. Then you gotta send another text, right? Because you need someone to validate the reason why you have the right to be mad. So I want to encourage you to stop venting and start confessing to your friend. Go, I've got a problem. I'm upset. I'm angry. I got a sin issue and I got to work through this. Now, a lot of times when you think about this, anger is just a secondary emotion. People say, I've got anger issues. I need to fix my anger. Anger is not what you need to fix. Anger is a secondary emotion. There's always something behind anger. Anger is like your car that has that flashing yellow light hey, warning, something's wrong. Warning, something needs to be fixed. The light's not the problem. There's something under the hood. Every time you get angry, there's something under the hood. There's something else deeper that's wounded you, that's hurt you, that's in your life that you have not dealt with yet. So anger is not your problem. 
Now, the people around you said, you got some anger issues, you gotta fix your anger. That's just the symptom. We gotta get to the root of the issue that's underneath the hood. And so when you think about it, there are some reasons, there's some things, and there's all kinds, but just a few real quick that people um, uh, get angry. One is that there's hurt that hasn't been dealt with. Someone hurt you, someone wronged you, and you're angry. Some of you went through a divorce 30 years ago when someone hurt you and you're still angry today that happened 30 years ago. And just the thought of the person, just seeing the person makes you angry and relive the event because you hurt. And you've not dealt with the hurt. And you wonder why you're angry now to your new spouse or you wonder why you're still angry maybe towards your kids or maybe just to people around you. Like when you find someone who's bitter, like if you find a, an older person who's really, really bitter, it's because they were, got hurt and they have been really angry and they're angry now it's turned into bitterness. You gotta figure out how do I deal with that hurt? We see this in Genesis 4. I'll get there just in a moment. I'm gonna share a story about Cain and Abel. They were hurt and it led to, to anger. Maybe for you it's frustration. See, a lot of times when you get frustrated, you get angry. Now, frustration is this unmet expectations. So for instance, you may get angry at your kid because they didn't get an A on the test. You're angry at them because your expectation for them is greater than higher and they didn't hit your mark, so you're angry and you're mad at them because they didn't fill in the blank. They didn't fulfill your expectation. That's a lot of times parents will get mad at a six-year-old and we think they should already be an adult and we treat them they should be an adult and because they mess up or make a mistake, we get angry because our expectation is that you're a better kid than this, that you should do this. And so it's not the kid's fault, it's your expectation on the kid that leads to the outburst of anger. Now there's no moms in the house right now, you should say amen to that because a lot of times we don't even know where that comes from, like why am I so angry at my kid all the time? Or, or you didn't make the shot or you didn't get the, 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 the scholarship or the job or whatever it may be, is there unmet expectations? We see this in AM. In 2 Kings, I believe it's chapter five, there was an unmet expectation and he got angry. We see this with King Saul, was fear. When you get afraid, you get angry. When, fears, when you're afraid of something, of losing something, you'll get angry towards the people. And we saw that with Saul when David came on the scene and he began to burn and get angry towards David because he was afraid that his throne would be taken over and his son Jonathan would not become the king. So there's a lot of things that you gotta trace that back. And I'm gonna talk to you a little bit, how, how, do you, how do you do that to get to the root of the anger problem in your life? And here's the question really that I, I, want, you, that I want you to hear from the Lord. And, and let me go all the way back to the beginning. You have Adam and Eve, and, and they have two boys, Cain and Abel. And, and, and Abel was more like the, the, the rancher. He took care of the, the, the livestock. And, and Cain was more of, of the farmer who tills the ground. Well, one day, they brought an offering to the Lord. This is Genesis chapter four. This was fascinating. Who told them there was an offering? The Mosaic law was not in effect. Moses didn't already come down from the mountain and talk about offering to the Lord. Here we see the, the children of Adam and Eve some giving an offering to the Lord, like who told them that? And as a Bible student, you ask yourself, how did they know to bring an offering? How they know to do that? So you have Cain who goes into the field and he gets the grain of the field and as he gets the grain of the field, he brings it to the Lord and the Bible says he brings some, some of what he harvested. But then it says Abel, 
went and took part of his livestock and gave part of the first choice, the best choice, and presented it to God. And the Bible tells us that, that God received Abel's offering because it was the best, it was the first. He gave the best portion of his offering to the Lord, but Cain just kind of scattered and gave some of the grains. And when Cain felt rejected, he got mad because he was hurt. And then I want you to hear what God says to Cain. And this is the question that I want to penetrate your heart because the same question when it comes to anger in your life is what I want you to ask when you get angry. And it's found in Genesis 4, verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Do you see that right there? Why is your face downcast? Which means his anger led to depression. Downcast means he's depressed. Why are you angry? Now, just with that question right there, God is letting you know there's always, 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 always something behind your anger. And not that God doesn't know it. God wants you to see it. God wants to reveal that to you. Why are you so angry and fill in the blank with your name? Cain, why are you so angry? Mom, why are you so upset? Dad, why are you so upset? Friend, why are you so upset? Look, why are you so angry. And so what I want to do is I'm going to walk you through Ephesians chapter four, and I'm going to highlight a few things, and then we're going to talk about some practical ways how we deal with anger. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter four, verse 17. Paul says, I tell you this and assist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do and the futility of their thinking and the way that they think. They are darkened in their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they are giving themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Now, let me stop. What Paul is saying is this. You, as a believer, you no longer have to live like you used to live before you were saved. When he says, you're living like the Gentiles, he's saying you're living like those who don't know God and they're without God and they're becoming an enemy of God. But when you give your life to Jesus, you no longer have to fall into those patterns. The reason I say it, because I hear people say all the time, well, I've always just kind of been prideful and then I got saved, I'm still prideful. I've always kind of been jealous. I've always, I've always had anger issues. My grandpa had anger issues. My dad had anger issues and I have anger issues. And a lot of your behavior when it comes to anger was learned. You've watched somebody else slam cabinets, so you slam cabinets. You watch somebody else go out and do something, so you do that. You learn the behavior of expressing your anger. And what Paul is saying, you no longer have to do those things. You no longer have to live like you were before you met Christ. You no longer have to live like the Gentiles are living. Why? Because you're a different person now. God has radically saved your life. So now you have the power to say no to pride. You have the power to say no to envy. You have the power not to get angry anymore and let things bother you the way they bother you because you are a new person. Look what he says in verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. Paul's like, I didn't teach you that. You didn't learn those ways. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to the formal way of life to put off your old self, 
What is he saying? Don't do the things you used to do, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, but to be made new in the attitude of the, your minds and to put your new self on. Created to be like God, true righteousness and holiness. So what Paul is saying, when you receive the gospel, the old Daniel, the old you, the old anger, the old pride, the old, the things that used to kill your joy, now put them off. Like, it's time to change. Change the clothing. Take the coat off and put a new one on. You've been now clothed in righteousness. It is your choice now to choose to walk in the new freedom that I've bestowed upon you, that I gave you, the Lord says. So if you're sitting here saying, well, I just got an anger issue, I've always had it, and I can't control my mouth, I can't control my tongue, yes, you can. If you have been bought by the blood of Jesus and you've given your life to Jesus, you have the power to say no now to pride, to envy, and to anger in your life. Paul says, because you're a new person, you're a new creation, you just gotta put the new on. You've gotta understand, how do I do that? Well, don't miss what he says. He says, don't be like the Gentiles in the way that they think. This is the battlefield. This is the battlefield. However, he says, you've been made nude with the attitudes in your mind. Now you get to change the way you think. The attitude is right here. I get to choose. It's my perception. When someone hurts you or wrong you, how do you respond to that? That's a new perception. When you're tempted to be envy or jealous of somebody, that's a new perception. You can change that. When pride comes up and thinks it's all about you, you now can change that. Why? Because you have a new attitude of your mind. How did that happen? Because you gave your life to Jesus. Don't listen to the lie of the devil anymore. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy that you can't change, that you're always gonna be a spewer. You're always gonna be a steward. You're always gonna slam cabinets. You're always gonna get mad and yell at your children. You're always gonna you know, be aggravated when you come home from work and yell at your wife. Nuh-uh, nuh-uh. Not as a believer. You have the power to change. Do you want to? Do you want to change? Because let me tell you something about anger. Anger will destroy your family. You can lose your job over it. You can lose your family over it. You can lose your kids over it. You can lose the closest friends over it. It can destroy you. It is powerful. You better want to change if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not, he says, you're already given into the darkness of your heart. You're just responding out of your nature. But those who put their faith in Jesus, we get a new nature. We got the new clothes of righteousness now. We don't have to be angry all the time. Verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truth to your neighbors. He says, quit lying. Quit lying to each other. Why? Because we're members of one body. We're, we're the ecclesia. We're the, we're the church of God. So quit talking false stuff and falsehood and put all the lies away. And then in 26, why? So in your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Man, that's a mouthful right there. I mean, we could spend, shoot, the next 16 minutes finishing that up right there. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Now, there's a problem when I read that. It's not a problem. <laughs> your translation may, may say, be angry, but don't sin. So it is this dichotomy that there is a righteous anger. We see it through the scripture that God has a righteous anger and carries out justice. We see Jesus turning over tables. We see Jesus getting up, uh, angry towards, you know, trying to heal somebody on the Sabbath, yet he was perfect and he was sinless and he didn't sin. So can you have righteous anger and not sin? Well, according to what Paul says, you can. Have I actually experienced that? I don't think so. 
Because righteous anger is right on the edge of you slipping and making it turn to sinful anger because, sinful anger because you make it about you. When it's self-protecting, self-fulfilling. So is there a way that you could be angry? And angry really is a passion. We see God's passionate about something that doesn't get carried out, so there's justice. Well, Jesus did. God did. So there is this emotion because God is perfect. He's holy. He's not sinful. For there is this this passion really of anger is really just love for something. You're so love about something that you have its anger about it. And God so loved the world and he so loves you that he will also carry out justice when needs to be. So there is this righteous anger and I don't know, I can't really, I don't know if I've really truly experienced a righteous anger because when I get angry, it's usually about, well, I'm hurt or I'm unmet expectations or you're afraid, it's, it's rooted in something else, not a passion and love for what's right or righteous to him. So I think, so you can, but I think there's a very fine line. You gotta be very careful when you get mad. And, and I would encourage you when there's anger there too, we'll walk this out. How do you work through it? How do you deal with it quickly? He says this, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now I've met people who've been married for a long time and they says, we've never gone to bed mad at each other and we take this verse literally. Now, is he literally saying if you're mad, don't go to bed while you're still angry? I, I, literally or figuratively? I, I don't know. Um, it's probably a good idea if you can work it out. The faster you can work your problems out, the faster you can work through this. But sometimes, you know, that person may not be there to work that out. And, and if you live in Alaska, I've been told that you've got a long time of daylight, so you can be mad for a real long time if you're living up there, you know what I'm saying, before the sun goes down. So I don't know how literally or figuratively you want to, but Hosea in chapter seven says this, all night long their anger smolder, and in the morning it blazed like a flaming fire. So there's something about when you carry anger in the bed, it's still gonna be there the next morning. In fact, you may have turned it on. Sometimes you would think, maybe I just need to sleep it off and maybe have a conversation. I do think there's times if they're two hot heads at each other, you need to separate, calm down, and then come back and talk like adults and work through things before yelling and screaming and throwing stuff, right? Because that's angry. And some of you are looking at each other right now and going, oh my gosh, he's preaching to us. Because this will kill your joy and it will destroy your family. And we don't want the enemy to rob us of the joy that God has for us. I'll talk about that, how to practically move through it quickly. And then he says, and this was the big one, do not give the devil an opportunity or your translation, a foothold in your life. You see, when you give the devil a foothold to operate, he will build a base there. And that foothold will become a stronghold and that foothold will affect everything. I promise you, your anger affects more than what you think. And you keep, and listen to me, sir, let me speak to the guy, I just feel led to speak to the guy. You're sitting here thinking, well, that's just how I am, man. I know I'm a dude, and I just, have, I don't know why I talk like that. And these are the emotions I have. I come home from work, and I expect it, when I get home from work, this, this, and this to be done, and this is how it goes. I've worked hard all day. And when things don't go my way, then I just get angry. I just don't know how to fix it. There you go. It's all about you. And you're the sinner of that attention, it's effective you. When your expectations are what you expect, when someone's in your way, when it doesn't go the way you want, when things get messed up, you, sir, get angry, and you wanna blame it on your <laughs> DNA. Well, my dad has always been like this. My grandpappy's always been like this. Sir, you can change because you've given your life to Jesus. You can change your family tree. You could be born again. You can start a new heritage and a legacy and a DNA, and it starts with you. So don't hide behind, this is just how I am. 
No, you can work through this and you can fix. Don't just say, well, it's just a hard time at work and if work wouldn't be so tough, I wouldn't be so angry at my kids. It's not your kid's fault. Well, I wouldn't be yelling at my wife. It's not your wife's fault. You've got things that you gotta deal with and you've gotta work through to expose this anger and expose what's behind it. Listen to God say that to Cain. Why are you so angry when you come home from work? What is it that you're believing and thinking or wounded that's caused you to lash out on the people you love the most? And then Paul says, down, skip down to verse 29. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Why? Because when you're angry, you're gonna probably say things you shouldn't say. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That's hard to do when you're angry. You don't build each other up, you tear each other down. So that it may benefit those who are listening. Don't miss that, those who are listening. Not only the person you're talking to, but maybe your kids that'll listen how you talk to your spouse. And they're looking at you as you set the example. He says this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Anger grieves the Holy Spirit. Brokenness inside of you that leads to anger grieves the Holy Spirit, whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. Which means he was a deposit he placed on you guaranteeing that you would go to heaven. He sealed you so that he will redeem you. And then verse 31, it says, so get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with all malice or malicious talk towards people. Get rid of all of it. Because when you're angry, this is what's gonna come. You're gonna get bitter, you're gonna get brawling, you're gonna be slandering, you're gonna be saying things, you're gonna be talking things about each other. And he says, get rid of all of it. All of it. That word get rid of it means to separate yourself, to get off you, like get the anger off you, get it off you. I was reminded the other day, um, I think it was last weekend, I took my son uh, uh, squirrel hunting, and we were walking through the woods, and I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for spider webs. You ever find that? You've ever just kind of just walked into a spider web, and it kind of just gets all over you, you know what I'm talking about? Or, and I don't know if it's in the spring or in the fall, but they're like, the spider webs actually somehow just float through the air. I don't know if you ever noticed that. And I mean, like, you're in the middle of a field, and here's this, this spider web just floating. Like, how did it even get here? And it lands on you. And I just don't like that feeling. I don't know, some of you, you might like that feeling. That's weird, but you, I don't. And I was walking, I'm always looking for the spider web hanging between two trees. And I, I walked into one and it caught me and I felt it. And so I said, just press on through it and it will break. And it, like it wouldn't break. Like it was like Spider-Man like made this web. Like I couldn't get through. It was so tough. I was like, this thing ain't breaking. And finally it broke and it hit me. If it's that strong, this is a pretty big spider and I'm sure there's spiders on me. And if you walk through a spider web, you're doing like this, right? You're picking everything you can. You're like pulling off your hair. You're, you're trying to get it off of you. That's a picture of like, get rid of it. When anger's there, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. When envy's there, nope, nope, malice, anger, brawling. I, I can slander, I can say, uh-uh, I, I can talk bad about you right now. Nope, get this off of me. I'm gonna get it off of me as fast as I can. Paul says, get rid of it, A-S-A-P. Some of you don't wanna get rid of it because it makes you feel good about yourself because you can be in control because you think anger's gonna control the situation. It doesn't. And the moment you walk in, you said, I'm angry. You know what you just did? You just try to do a fear tactic on everybody around you to be afraid of you so that you can control them. So you alarm people, I'm getting angry, I'm angry right now, why would we even announce that? Do you see that? Just reflect on that for a moment. What I'm saying is this, you're making me mad and you better be afraid. And now we start teaching our kids or our spouse or our friends or our coworkers, people around us, don't talk, don't say, because you're trying to control with your anger. Paul says, get rid of it. 
Don't, don't dwell, get rid of it, A-S-A-P, in your life. Get rid of it, every bit of it, off of you. And then he says in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ and God has forgiven you. How do I get rid of this? Let me tell you what you need to do. When you begin to get angry and you feel it coming, some of you already know. Like some of you right now, you already know what your hot buttons are. And you even know the people who push them. The question is, when anger becomes, what do you do? And I wanna encourage you to analyze anger early. Analyze it early. Like, like, jump into it. When anger begins to come up, quickly go, wait, 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 wait. Why am I angry? That's what God asked Cain. Why are you so angry? Like you come home from work and you had a bad day at work and you go in and something just didn't go the way you thought it should go or dinner went ready or she didn't make what you thought or, or the kids had something and unexpected. Why are you angry? If you can stop for a moment and analyze it very quickly, why am I so angry? What is so important to me right now that's causing me to get this emotional and this defensive? And we see what James says, be quick to listen, slow to, to speak, and slow to, 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 get, to get angry. Like, why am I so defensive right now to the people I love? Am I hurt? Am I frustrated? Am I afraid? Like, stop for a moment and unpack that. Why am I so angry? Because a lot of times really, Anger is rooted in you not getting what you want or what you think you deserve. And you can fill in the blank what that may look for you because the root of anger a lot of times is that something was taken from you. That's why you're mad at them. Some, they took something from you. Maybe your expectations, they, they robbed you from what you thought. Maybe they hurt you and they wounded you, they took a part of you and you're, you're still angry 30 years, 25 years later. Why are you so angry? Maybe when the kids and, you know, spill the soup, the six-year-old spills the soup and you get mad and you get angry and I can't believe you're so clumsy, I can't believe you spilt this. And why don't you stop for a moment going, why am I so angry? It's a kid. Oh, you have something to do. You've already spent all day cleaning. And now there's another mess that you have to clean and it's inconvenient to you because you wanna do something else. That's why you're mad. When dad comes home and the kids wanna play or the kids wanna do something and they interrupt you're watching the game or they interrupt that you had a planned fishing trip or they interrupt like, hey, you were gonna go do something and you get mad. I, dad, I just can't right now because you get mad and you get frustrated because, well, now they're becoming inconvenient to you because you wanna do what you wanna do and they're gonna take time from you that you thought was gonna be your time. Don't that sound so self-centered? Do you see that? Because anger is rooted in that. Self-centered. It's about me, how I feel. You hurt me, you wronged me, you took something from me, you took a part of me. And then here's where it comes down to. 
you owe me. See, envy says, God, you owe me, and you made a mistake, I deserve that, and I'm jealous or envious that I don't have that. God, you owe me. Anger says, you owe me. You hurt me, you wronged me, you took something from me, and now there's a debt-to-debtor relationship. You owe me a debt because you hurt me, you wronged me, and now I'm angry. Someone at work, someone at home, it doesn't matter. And now you have this debt-to-debt relationship, debt-to-debtor relationship. How do you fix that? How do you fix anger when someone has hurt you and wronged you? And you might be in the right, like you have the reason to be upset. And that's what you'll get. You gotta be very careful because you'll get around your friends. Job didn't have really good friends. He thought he did. And you get around your friends and here's what they say. You deserve to do that. You deserve to be upset. You deserve to be bad. You deserve to do this. And they'll feed this, feed this, feed this over and over and over and over and build this rage and anger and wrath inside of you because they owe you. What do you think God would say about that? What do you think Paul said about that through the Holy Spirit? He gives you the formula. And look what he says in verse 32. Be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving. You see it right there? Be kind. You're not saying harsh words and being kind. Can't, can't, don't exist. Be kind. Be compassionate. Be understanding, sympathetic. Understand that hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. They're hurting. That's why they're upset. That's why they, they hurt you. They're, they're hurting. And then watch this. Forgive each other. I don't know if I can do that. Well, then you're going to grow up to be a very angry, bitter person. They hurt me. They wronged me. What's the basis? Keep that verse up. What's the basis real quick? What's the basis of you forgiving them? Look what he says. Just as you took off the old and you put on the new. How'd that happen? Christ forgave you. You are to forgive people just as Christ forgave you. How many times you've turned your back on God? How many times you've done things to him? How many times that you fill in the blank? You shook your fist at him. How many times have you blew it? How many times have you sinned? How many times have you hurt? And what does Jesus do for you? Forgive you. Come. I forgive you. See, what's the basis? We'll be kind, we'll be compassionate, and we'll be forgiving to the people who hurt us. And watch this, when you do this, you'll begin to see that anger, that rage, that malice dissipate and begin to go away. Why? Because you let go of the real problem is that you were hurting. Paul writes in Colossians 3, I'll close with this verse, Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive them. Now, this is one of those verses you're like, man, it's so easy to preach. So hard to do. So Paul knew, knows you're gonna have trouble with this. Look what he says. So you better build some allowance. You better build some equity. You better have some equity coming. You better build a build a build a build the equity up. Why? Because there's going to come a moment that's going to take a withdrawal and somebody's going to withdraw something from you and it's going to hurt. 
You better make allowances. You better build that up. So when they do, you can work through it. And he goes on and says, forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. I want to ask you just to bow your head just for a moment. So easy to get angry and so easy to stay angry. It's so easy to hide about hide anger and say that you don't want to deal with it and blame it on your DNA, blame it on your history, blame it on your past. We can go on and on and on. I'm not making light of it. The things happened to you were real. They hurt you. They wronged you. Fill in the blank. I'm not, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not even saying it wasn't real. But how do you fix it? As a child of God, you can't live the rest of what you can be an angry, bitter person, but the enemy will rob you and steal you from your joy. So you better learn how to, watch this, put on the new, change your perspective, your perception. Analyze anger quickly. Where does this come from? And when you get angry, just think that God just asked you that voice. Wait, 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 Daniel, why are you so angry? Because I was hurt, because I was wrong, because I'm frustrated. Why? Oh, because it's all about me. God, help me be kind. Help me be compassionate. Help me forgive those who've hurt me and wronged me. Because God, you've forgiven me when I've hurt you, when I've wronged you, when I've walked out on you, when I've turned my back on you, when I didn't live for you, you forgave me. So maybe you're sitting there and the reason why you can't forgive someone is because you haven't been forgiven. And the greatest thing you can do right now is to give your life to Jesus who loves you, who wants to forgive you of all your sin. And all you have to do is sit there and confess to him, Jesus, I believe I believe you came for me, I believe you died for me, and I believe you got up out of the grave for me, and today I confess my sin and I ask you for your forgiveness. Now help me forgive those like you have forgiven me. Now I want you to look back up here at me. I want you to work through this question, maybe you can do it right now, maybe you need to do it this week, maybe you can do it in your watch party or small group, maybe it's you just journaling as you ask why you're so angry, but I want, I want you to work through this question. Here's the question. What's one thing you can do, and a lot of what you just learned today, what's one thing you could do to get rid of the anger in your life? In fact, if you're in a watch party right now, or maybe a small group, or here's an opportunity for you to just to ask that question.